everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guy, your insider's guide to all things franchising in the local area. I'm Blake Martin, local small business franchise owner and your Heartland Franchise Guy. This is the place for advocacy, resources, and education on all things franchising in the local community, and it's a great place for any entrepreneur to stop by if they're looking to learn more about the franchising industry. And we're going to learn a lot about Franchise Advisory Councils today because our guest is somebody who has put together Franchise Advisory Councils from the ground up, Brian Petronic with the Neighborly Organization. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Absolutely, Blake. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you being here. And I guess we should probably start with a little background on you. We've known each other for a long time. You have a long history of executive roles, C-suite roles, within franchise organizations, built one from the ground up, and now you're group president with Neighborly. For those who aren't familiar with Neighborly, can you start by explaining what is that organization and what's your role as a group president? Yeah, great question. So Neighborly is uh, probably the largest collection of franchise systems um, that's been put together to date. So across our entire platform, we have about 30 one, 32 companies, and that's globally. Uh, in the U.S., we have about 19 franchise concepts that we operate under the Neighborly umbrella, all primarily focused on home services. Okay. And then as a group president, obviously, by definition, you're in charge of, of a group of those brands, I take it. That's correct. You know, you, you can imagine as an organization like this scales and grows, and we add more and more organizations, it gets harder and harder uh, for the C-suite to here to kind of keep tabs on all of those brands. So the group president role was created um, so we could cluster some of our brands into areas and then have those report up to a group president. So I'm responsible for the repair cluster, which is seven of our largest brands. Gotcha. Can we do the quiz? Can you ring off all seven brands just like that? Uh, I can. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. So Mr. Mr. Electric, Mr. Appliance, Mr. Handyman, uh, Mr. Reuter, AirServe, Precision Garage Door, and Glass Doctor. I'm impressed. You still have a great memory. It's fading as I get older. <laughs> well, speaking of which, let's go back in time then. Yeah. I know you have a you have an interesting entrance into the franchising industry. Could you talk a little bit about how you even got into the field of franchising in the first place? Yeah, I think it's a, a kind of an interesting story. So, uh, you know, what I've done a lot over the course of my career is work for organizations that always had branch level operations. So they were, you know, had locations in various markets. And when I first kind of came into the, in, uh, generally into the industry and as a, as a professional, my job was to help those organizations scale branch level operations to, to grow, add branches. And primarily I had done that all through organizations that owned everything that they operated. And so after having done that for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years or so, uh, I was approached by Alan Hager, who was uh, the original founder of Right at Home, as you know. Yep. And Alan had one location in Omaha, and he wanted to grow it through franchising. And so asked me to join the organization. We got connected to people in the industry. He asked me to join the organization um, to help him launch it from that one location to as I always say, something other than one. And we ultimately, over the course of 
that my 22 years there grew it to over 750 locations in eight countries. So I had quite a bit of success with franchising, but that was my first experience with franchising. Granted, it was 22 years of it, but it was <laughs> that was my first experience with franchising. And then I joined Neighborly here in May of 2022. Well, congratulations on that. That's, that's quite a ride. It's been it's been fun for sure. Into the topic of the day, um, as you mentioned, we worked together at Right at Home, and I watched as you led the charge with a group of people to initiate a franchise advisory council within the organization. So let's talk a little bit about that first. Why? What was the impetus behind inserting a franchise advisory council into the organization? So that's a great question. I remember Alan and I were talking about this at some point and somewhere along the line, somebody said to us early in our development said that franchise advisory councils are either formed proactively or reactively. So what that means basically is if you form one proactively, you're kind of looking at your system, evaluating the needs of your system and saying, hey, this is the right time for us to bring a franchise advisory council in for various reasons. Reactively means there's a problem, means your franchise owners are disgruntled, there's frustrations building within the system. In some cases, there could be legal action, you know, that's that's either threatened or ensuing um, or possibly the formation of an association. So sometimes franchisors wait too long problems exist, and then they're sort of forced into creating an FAC to try to stop any of those issues. So obviously, in that situation, the preferred method would be to form something proactively before issues arise. Certainly. And what kind of issues, what, what were the discussions, and who was part of the council? What, did, what, what individuals was it comprised of? So... And actually, I'm going to circle back because you asked the question, why did we form one at Right at Home? We went the proactive route. Mm -hmm. So we said, you know, before we get to any point where there's an issue, and there was nothing on the rise, and we didn't think there was anything that was, that was you know, out there that was looming that was going to be a problem. But we said, let's, let's get one of these things in, in place and figure out how to do that. And so when we formed the council, one of the things that I remember, and I was the one primarily charged with putting that together, I remember I wanted representation. So what that means is I, you know, I, I can't remember how many franchises we had at that time. Maybe it was around 100, maybe a little bit more than 100. But we had had enough time in our system that we had some franchise owners that were in for maybe five or six or seven years at that point, some that were brand new. We had people in various regions across the country, some West Coast, some East Coast, um, some franchise owners that were running multiple locations, others that were just doing their single site. So I wanted to make sure that all of those voices were heard. So when we kind of crafted the original structure of our council, we chose 10. We thought 10 franchise owners would be the right size for our system at that point. And then I wanted to make sure that those 10 represented or a good selective representation of the system. I see. Okay. So Probably geographically, demographically, et cetera. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, age, tenure, size of the business, make sure we have large owners, but also small owners or new owners. Um, and so that 
that's that's interesting if you think about it. you only have 10 slots so how do you how do you try to check all those boxes <laughs> yeah. within those 10 <laughs> slots so it, it takes there's an intentionality to it you have to really sit down and think through not only what you want your council to look like how many and and do you want that representation but then how do you get it so how do you make sure that you get that representation and that comes through decisions on whether you do an election or you do appointments and you know so the, those things which we can explore as as you want to yeah or a blend of the two i guess right yeah that, which is what we did at right at home what made you come to that decision or did, was that a decision that evolved over time i honestly don't recall so uh is that the question like why did we decide to do a, a kind a, of a blend, a blend of, of appointments yeah of appointments and elections from peers so it actually goes to what I just talked about. I, you know, I said when, when I sat and thought through those 10 spots, trying to figure out what we were going to get, um, we also knew that we wanted the council to feel valid. And sometimes within franchise systems, this is not going to be a shock for anybody that's listening, that there could be sometimes this, you know, us and them, right, franchise or franchisee sort of mentality that forms, right? So if you go all appointment, the perception could be that you just pick people that are going to be favorable to the corporate office or are going to do, quote unquote, do what the corporate office yeah. wants them to do. So what we thought is let's get as many elected positions on there as we possibly could. So and I think in our first council, if I'm not mistaken, we did eight elected positions which means we actually created the ability for our franchise owners to vote and pick who they wanted to represent them on the council. And we did that regionally. And then we left two positions open for appointments. And the reason we held two for appointments at that time was because that was our, our ability to balance. So if we didn't have new owners on there, we would put two new owners on. Because sometimes if you think about sort of the, a way a system or FAC could form, maybe your most popular franchise owners, or maybe popular is a bad word, maybe your most visual franchise owners, the older ones are the ones that maybe get put onto the council. And so now you have a, a whole bunch of owners that are five or six or 10 years old. So we held back to appointments to make sure that we could balance whatever that representation was that we needed. Did you find that to be largely the case? Did it end up being, did it seem like it was more of a balanced voice, collective voice? Yes, but as time evolved with that council, we had to we had to change those dynamics. So mm. what we originally did with our first council, um, you know, five or six years in, as time went on, we evolved it. And so we went we did go all elected at some point because we trusted the system at that that point. We, we knew that we had enough, but we also made our our franchise owners and our franchise systems our franchisees partners in that process. So we said, we evolved to the point where we said, look, we need new people on here. So here are new people that you can select from. We want tenured owners on. So here's new tenure or here's tenured owners that you could select from. So we, we became more sophisticated in the way that we elected people or allowed for people to be elected to make sure that we kept that balance. But it was important to have that balance. And it's something that I think was a really key reason that our, our council was so effective for so many years. 
Yeah, and it sounds like you weren't afraid to treat it like a bit of a work in progress or something that you knew was going to have to evolve to the realities of what was going on within the franchise system. Oh, absolutely, because, you you know, we were a rapidly growing system. So, uh, you know, if we formed the council with 100 locations, over the time we, we added 650 more locations in international and uh, lots of complexities and, and a brand fund eventually and just a lot of different things um, that – made we wanted to make sure that the council that we had was representative of this situation the environment we were dealing with at that time so um you know we formed bylaws and we had all of those types of things but we used our council as partners to say it's time to evolve the council let's talk about how we can make the council better so that became part of their job was to help us make the council more effective and more representative of what was you know what the realities of the system at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And then as things are evolving, that brings up the topic of, you know, what's on the agenda. There was roughly monthly FAC meetings or conversations, correct? So we always did face-to-face. It was, we felt it was really important to do a few face-to-face meetings a year. Sometimes it was, I think early on we did um, maybe a little bit more face-to-face. And then eventually evolved to where we did monthly monthly check-in calls where it was a short call and we were just kind of progressing on things that were happening, things the council was working on, things we were working on. Um, but we always had a couple of longer face-to-face meetings every year. And by longer, I mean, you know, two-day-ish meetings mm-hmm. um, where we could really spend time together and really dive deep into, you know, critical topics. So maybe times that were tied into conventions that were already happening with the internal group. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then what, t- for the benefit of somebody who is planning on in the future or currently in the process of being a part of a franchise advisory council and FAC, what did the agenda topics typically look like and, and who made the agenda? Who decided what got onto that? So the, the, what made it to the agenda was a combination of uh, corporate team, and then the franchise owners that were actually on the council. So uh, what, what we wanted to have happen in a perfect world was we wanted our FAC representatives to collect information up from the system, from within their regions, uh, or however that was, that was broken up, and bring those topics forward. And then we, meaning the corporate office and those that were responsible for putting the FAC agenda together would take a look at those topics. Then we would have, from a corporate standpoint, we would take a look at our topics. And then we worked with our chair. We did have a chair and a vice chair of our, of our council. Um, they had final vote along with the corporate office as to what went on the agenda. So we that's worked very closely with the chair and vice chair. I would imagine that's not always the case, but uh, that's a, that's a, Sounds like a productive approach that they kind yeah. of had. A, they had a, a a veto right, and so it would include all different components of the business: operations type discussions, uh, marketing related, um, just growth related conversations, all of the above. All of the above. Um, I think, to be fair, I think you know, in the early years, I'll say, let's say the first half of the. 15 or so years that we had the, the council in my time there, there was a lot of the, 
a lot of the focus was a lot of tactical sort of what's happening day to day in the businesses and you know frustrations they were having with our software or you know whatever as time went on we really wanted to get the council to be more strategic we wanted it to be more forward thinking you know these are the issues of the day and yes we have to deal with things that are happening today but we really wanted the council to help us be thought leaders on where we should take the brand and, and really bigger strategic issues. Um, and so I think that was very intentional on our part to try to move them in that direction. And, but that really was an evolution. I mean, that, that took some time to get our council to that point. A lot of it had to do making sure that we had, a lot of it had to do with making sure we had the right chair and the right vice chair. Mm -hmm. Because um, if you have a chair that wants to stay into the weeds and stay, you know, kind of be at that level, it was really hard to move strategically. So there was a lot of intentionality about us evolving that council to something where when we got together for those longer meetings, we could focus more on bigger issues that were facing the industry, that were facing our brand, how we were trying to compete, you know, strategic changes that we needed to make mm -hmm. to make sure that we were competing effectively and still growing um, and providing them all a, a meaningful system. Complex and dynamic, to say the least. It is. It is. As, as you think back on it now, for you and, and Alan, who, well, you were the CEO at the time, Alan was the founder, do you feel as if following that methodology, following that approach that you took, uh, did you achieve the goals that you were hoping to achieve with the FAC? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, at all stages, I, I think I was very happy with our first FAC, the first launch, the first version of it. I thought it was meaningful for us at the time. Um, but again, as we evolved and we got better, I mean, you know, it was it was all this constant evolution of how can we be better FAC facilitators and and how can we be a better corporate office and helping lead that council and. And how can we help our franchise owners around that council be better leaders and, and participate better and focus topics where they need to go? And one of the things that I will say is, you know, from a, from a franchisee standpoint, one of the hardest things for a franchisee that comes onto a council to understand and appreciate is you're on that council, not representative of you. You have to always think, system-wide. You have to think what's important and what's meaningful for the system, not necessarily what's meaningful for my business. And sometimes those things aren't always aligned. So something that's, that's important for the system may actually be detrimental to your, to your business, but you have to step out of that. I'm running this small business and you're there to represent the broader system. And in in doing that, you have to have your voice, so you, you have to share your experiences, but you still always have to remember that decision-making has to be what's best for the system. You're operating as a representative of the system, not as I'm, I'm here to try to, you know, decrease my royalties or, or something along those right, lines. Right, which could be a lot harder to do than it is to say. Yeah. It's hard. It is really hard. Thank you for that nugget. And uh, as we're getting to where we're going to start wrapping up the episode, I have one final question for you, which is kind of the other side of that. If you could give one bit of advice, strategic or tactical, to a franchisor or to an aspiring franchisor 
who's getting ready or planning to put together an FAC, if you could give one piece of advice, what might it be? Be serious about it and do it for the right reasons. So um, elaborating on that a little bit more, you, you have to know when you go into this that all of the effective communication skills have to be in place. You have to, you have to go into this knowing you're going to listen and you're going to be open to hearing feedback. You're going to be open to your franchise owners coming to you and saying, hey, these are their issues. These are the things that we need to solve for. This is what you guys are good at. This is what you're not so good at. Um, and you need to be open to, to that in a more formal structure because that's what it is. It's not just a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Um, so do it for the right reasons. Know you're, you're not going in and creating this just so you can have another pulpit to preach to your franchise owners from. It has to be a, a meaningful dialogue and sharing of ideas with the express purpose of trying to make the system better. Well, you tied that up really nice. Thank you. That is, that is very helpful. I appreciate that. So you must have said Good. that at least one time before. <laughs> yeah, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. This is Brian Petronic with the Neighborly Organization. And I should clarify, Neighborly is spelled N-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-L-Y. So neighbor and then L-Y. If anybody's looking to track down their organization or any of the brands within their organization. So we really appreciate you taking some time to share your really unique experiences in developing and growing and instituting a, a franchise advisory council. Thanks, Brian. Oh, absolutely. It's a great topic. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the invite. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And thanks to all of you viewers and listeners for joining us on another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guy. If you haven't listened before, you can always scan the QR code at the bottom of your screen. If you have any questions that you want to get answered, that'll give you our contact info. If you want to talk to somebody about or somebody in Brian's organization, uh, we can get you in touch. And don't keep us a secret. Subscribe, follow, and share, particularly if you know somebody that could benefit from this episode or other Heartland Franchise Guy episodes. Thanks again to our guest, Brian Petronic with the Neighborly Organization. And thanks to all of you. We'll see you here again on another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guy. A Huda Media Production.